Romans. Hope you can get there. Romans chapter 8. We're in a series trying to go through this book slowly yet swiftly enough to get through it in a modicum of civility. We'll be done hopefully by the end of of this year uh, with the book of Romans, but we're glad we've been in it, learning a lot. Last week was a great message, 31 through 34. What an easy message to preach. Nothing but good news. I love it when there's no uh, catch, there's no hitch, there's no, yeah, but you've got to, you know, do something really big to earn the, no, it was just a great message about God's love for us. And uh, I, I love that. That's where we're at. I had a great opportunity to speak to a group at Gull Lake Bible Conference this weekend. Spoke Friday night once and three times yesterday. Julie and I got home before the bad weather hit late last night. Uh, so that was a privilege for me to be able to do that. Thank you for allowing me. Uh, it just gives me energy in my soul to get away and speak to, uh, to groups. It's one of the things I love to do. Why don't we pray us in this morning? Are you ready? Let's give God our prayer. You don't have to say anything out loud, but if you just pray this prayer... God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, I pray that you'd be glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this message would be edified. I pray that Satan would be horrified. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at Romans 8, 35 through 39. Let me read it once out loud, and then we'll go back and hit part of it. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Obviously, this little section follows on the heels of last week uh, when we asked some important questions for your security and Paul was asking questions and then giving the answer. This actually, you know, should be one message, but there was so much good I had to break it into two. Sometimes it's so good, let's take two weeks to enjoy it. And so Paul's continuing in the thought about these questions, about about how can, what's your worry, what's your concern? It's salvation is from God. He's going to see it through. Would he send his son to die for you and then not bring you all the way to salvation? Those were kind of the questions Paul was asking. And we start this section, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So our big idea this morning is I cannot be disconnected from God's love. I believe that to be true. Paul was convinced that this was true. The only caveat there would be is, are you a child of God? Has there been a time in your life where you said, God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life as Savior and Lord. If you've asked him to save you by faith, this applies to you. Who shall separate us from the love of God? No one. <laughs> Nothing. When I read this passage, the first thing that came to mind was survivor stories. 
We love survivor stories. Think about the last movies you've watched. Hopefully not on the Hallmark Channel. I've got a little problem with those things. But uh, uh, if you're watching real movies, like, you know, there's a good guy and something bad happens to him and he's got to spend the rest of the movie killing everybody because this bad thing happened to him. Those are kind of survivor stories, right? And we love those. Uh, specifically, I wrote down some, like the Titanic. We love survivor stories, right? Titanic, you know? And we, we love, uh, uh, what was another one I wrote down? Oh, stories about 9-11, World War I, World War II. I mean, we're into those. We love watching the, the guy who survives, right? We wanna, we're cheering for our guy. And then there's this movie, I never, this is not a recommendation. I got elders in the room, and they're going to hear me, they're going to tell me about it. I'm not recommending this movie, but John Wick is the classic survivor story. John Wick 1, John Wick 2, John Wick 3, John Wick 4, John Wick 5. And what happened with John Wick was somebody killed his puppy. They killed his puppy. So he kills thousands of people. If you watch the movie, literally, I tried once just to count how many people he killed, and it's impossible. Because he goes into a room with like 40 or 50 bad guys all out to kill him, all assassins with weapons, and he kills them all. And then the next scene, he kills more people. It's just, you can't even keep track. And for some reason, that resonates with people. You kill this puppy, half of the continent must die. I mean, we're for the survivor. We, we hope he makes it. And again, that was not an endorsement for that movie. Don't go watch it. If you haven't watched it, don't watch it. Don't fill your mind with that kind of stuff. But we love survivors. Survivors. But I want to tell you something. Our story, I'm not talking about our, like Christians, believers in Jesus. Our story is not a survival story. It's something totally different. Our story, our collective story as Christians is triumph. Everybody say triumph. It's a much better story than survival. I've got news for you, and this is very important that you understand this. Eyeballs here. Give me your eyeballs just for a little bit. None of us are going to survive. Let me say it again. None of us are going to survive. Death is waiting for us all. Maybe... Maybe Jesus is going to come back before we face death. That would be great. But if he doesn't return before, you're not going to survive. But you can triumph. Somebody should give me an amen for that. We know that death awaits us all, but as a believer, that doesn't defeat us. How much better to just survive than it is to thrive? And so Paul is coming to us and he's not telling us or survival story. It might sound like it when we read it. There's some scary stuff there. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. That's John Wick first scene, right? And then, then they quote Psalm 44, 22. What a great quote there to encourage believers. For your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered a sheep to the slaughter. Not a very encouraging verse if you just take it in that context. But what Paul is saying is, yes, Yes, we live here on this planet, but we face death. But death cannot defeat us. He even goes on to say we are more than conquerors. Oh, what a, what a great lesson for all of us. And then I love what 
Paul does here. He says, no, in all these things, verse 37, look at it. You should highlight or in your Bible, maybe circle in these, what things? Well, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, facing death all day long, sheep heading to the slaughter. All these things, Paul says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then here is the huge phrase. Again, if you highlight, I would highlight these next few words because Paul says, for I am convinced. Everybody say convinced. When you're reading this, imagine Paul, he's making an argument. He's, he's written some questions that were rhetorical questions and then he gave the answer. And now Paul makes a statement, for I am convinced. This is when somebody is making an argument and they say, and that all leads me to the big point. So when you see those words, for I am convinced, Paul is saying, listen up, I've done all the algebra, and what I'm going to say next is the equal sign. I've done all the work, everything I've said to you brings us to this point. Here's what it all means, for I am convinced, and then he says, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, good news again this week, you guys. The Christian life is about more than mere survival. It's about ultimate triumph. Are you convinced? Like Paul was convinced that even death doesn't have a victory over us. We're more than conquerors. So I am confidently, I am a confidently convinced conqueror. And that's what I want you to be saying today. When you go home in your car, you need to be telling yourself, I am a confidently convinced conqueror. Because I think we run around kind of like in that survival thing. We, we run around in that John Wick mentality. Everybody's out to kill us, so I must kill everybody else. And we, we live in this doer, dogfight world, you know? I mean, I got honked at yesterday really meanly. And it, and it hurt my heart. I, I was parked at a Starbucks in Kalamazoo, and it's really busy. And so I had backed into my spot, and I got my coffee. I'd been real patient. Because when I get a coffee, I order a coffee, and they put it right out there for me. But when my wife goes with me, she orders a frou-frou coffee. And then I'm in the herd. You know what I mean? I get coffee. They just give it to me. I don't have to wait in line. But when she orders a frou-frou drink, you wait. I sit there for like 20 minutes. And they're finally like, Carmier Macchiato for Don. <sighs> finally. I got my coffee. I go to my car. I backed into a spot so I can see everything. And the parking lot's a little crazy. And the spot next to me was empty. And a lady came from this way. And she was going to pull into this spot. Well, while she was doing that, I'm ready to go. And so I start to pull out to turn right. Plenty of room. For both of us, not according to her. She was heading to that spot and me moving offended her. And so she, right in front of me, she is literally turning and, and she's 12 feet from me. And she's like, hey, and she's like, ah. I'm like, what? I, I even put my hands up in the air. And I'm like, I, I'm just, we, we, we can, we can, I'm just, okay. I mean, everybody's out for a fight. And yet we as believers, we should be confident. The battle's already won. I mean, Paul is saying nothing. Not, not the line at Starbucks. Not that, you know, the Myers 
quick line out on Auburn Hills that goes all the way through the store that takes an hour to get through? Not even that can conquer us. We're more than conquerors in all of the hardships of life through Jesus. So I am a confidently convinced conqueror, but I wanted to give you three things. Why? Because of Christ's moment-by-moment love. Paul's making a simple point that nothing can disconnect you from his love. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And we might overlook that, how powerful that love is. So the first thing you know is the love that he's talking about is a moment-by-moment love. Christ's love is not a memory. It's not that we look back only at the cross like, oh, I remember when he loved me. We can get that way as Christians and forget His love is not a memory. He's loving us now. You're loved by God, not just in the manger, not just at the cross, but the Bible says, uh, Psalm 46, 1, let's read that. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Ever-present, say that with me. Ever, not just back then, not only in the manger, not only at the cross, An ever-present love. See, Jesus didn't just go to the the cross and die. He rose again to life. And the Bible says he's seated at God's right hand and he's currently interceding on our behalf. That was what last week's message was. He's currently in the act of loving you and me. It's a moment-by-moment love. And Jesus is alive and actively loving us today. Romans 8, 34 Who then is the one who condemns no one? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, he was raised to life. And he's at the right hand interceding for us. Guys, I hope you know God's moment by moment love. And you don't just look back at history for that. He's loving you today. He's got enough love for you right now. It's going to be enough tomorrow. He loved you before you even existed. My favorite author in all of scripture is David in Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in the depths of hell, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand guides me. Your right hand holds me fast. I could keep going. I just love that passage because David is saying, he loves me. He loves me when I get up and when I say stupid things, when I head down the wrong path. He loves me today. It's a moment by moment love. His steadfast love is refreshed each morning. Oh. We got young parents. We got new grandparents. Oh, I'm so jealous, Mark. I am. Every, every day I think, Mark's so lucky. He's got grandbabies. And we once spoke at this youth event, and uh, I've been speaking for this group for uh, 10 years now. And now their youth leaders are having grandbabies, and they brought a grandbaby to the youth retreat. All I wanted to do was play with baby, naked baby feet. That's all I wanted to do. I'm like, I want a grandbaby. Oh, but moms get tired, amen? And dad, new dads, they don't get much sleep. And so 
what was great about this youth retreat is everybody was taking time with this baby and mom and dad were like, yeah, you do that. <laughs> and we're, can we go, I'm going to take a nap. And I'm like, go ahead, you take a nap. We'll play with the baby. I'm glad even in a sleepless night, mom wakes up and sees that baby and her heart melts all over again. I mean, you might be exhausted going to bed that night because that child drove you crazy. I mean, what do they do? They eat and they poop. That's all they do. They're just eating pooping machine. That's what they're made for at little baby age. And you go through all of that and you're like, I don't have anything left in the tank. But the next day you wake up and you're like, oh, it's the cutest thing ever. And in some way, I believe God loves us like that. Every day he... He, he does. He's got to deal with our poop. He's got to deal with the mess that we make every day. Our Heavenly Father loves us despite ourselves. But the good thing is, is that when you wake up tomorrow, His mercies are brand new. You're like, oh, I used them all. No, no, you, you couldn't use them all because when that day ended, you get a whole new slate. In Lamentations 3, 22, that's where it says this. Let me read it. The steadfast, everybody say steadfast. This is where I love scripture. It doesn't just say the love of Christ. It gives you a, a, what is that, an adjective? It's what kind of love? It's a steadfast love. God's love should always have that word in front of it because it never ends. It does not cease. It's new each morning. Lamentation says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I can almost picture God when I wake up. There he is. There's my guy. I love him. He drove me crazy yesterday, but I loved him then and I love him today. And I got enough love for him no matter what comes. His mercies are new every morning. And then I just, I was looking at it. Julie actually drove for 20 minutes last night so I could just go over my notes one more time. After preaching four times, I had to like, what am I preaching about Sunday? And so I had to refresh myself last night about 11 o'clock, driving home and I'm reading my notes. And I got to that part when I read this verse and it says, his mercies are, they never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And those of you who grew up in the church, church, I mean growing up in church, you know I, I want to sing, don't you? Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Come on, church people. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided great is Lord unto we got enough people that know hymns still man I love our new music I do but I also love the hymns rich I mean the author of that hymn must have been reading Lamentations when he read that line 
The mercies never come to an end. They're new each morning. Great is your faithfulness. I could just see the person sitting there and they had this spark, right? You know, musicians, you get that moment where you're just reading the Bible and then great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, what a great hymn. What a great thought. We are loved by a steadfast love. So I'm a confidently convinced conqueror because... Of Christ's particular love. Everybody say particular. No, no, I don't mean like he's persnickety. I mean it's a particular love. And this is a good thing because God has a universal love for all people. Amen? We know that's true. God loves everybody. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That's big as you can get. He loves everybody. We know that's true. But you also need to know he has a particular love for his people. And you're like, well, that's kind of, he's, he's got favorites. No, no, this is normal. Listen, I love y'all, but I love my wife. And it's not the same. It's not the same. I'm just going to tell you, it's not the same. I love y'all, but I'll die for her. I don't know if I'm going to die for y'all. <laughs> Somebody puts a gun to my head and said, are they at your church? I'm like, I've never seen that person before in my life. I don't know. <laughs> but, but if somebody is holding Julie... I'll give all the money I've got. I'll sell everything I've got. I'll go rushing in. I'll go John Wick 4 on them. I'll go because I have a particular love for... Is that okay? You understand that, right? I can love y'all and have an incredible universal love for people, yet there are certain things that there's a particular love. And we are blessed that God has a particular love for his people. Romans 8, 28 talks about it. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. He's got a people. And if you believe in him and put your faith in him, you're his people. You're, you're his. And he's got a particular love for you. I love that. I, I'm so grateful that God loves everybody, but he loves the saved Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So I don't think I'm far off here. The, the, the illustration is marriage. I ought to love Julie in a particularly different way than I love you. And that's, that's what I love about Christ. He uses that analogy for his love, for his church. He's like, you all get it? If you love somebody, that's a special love. I love you with that special love. Marriage is the illustration of Christ's love for his church. And he did die for his church, didn't he? He did that. And every wedding I do, this is I preach this passage. And I tell, I tell the young man, are you willing to die for her? And every guy in a tuxedo always, when I ask him, the, the shoulders go back. And it's, they can't help themselves. They're like, I die for her. You know, and you, just, you can just see it. And then I'm like, yeah, but do you love her? Not just enough to die for her, but enough to do the dishes too. Get up in the night with the baby or the dog, right? Are you, are you willing to do everything short of dying for her? Because sometimes we're like, I'd die for her. Yeah, but get up and do the dishes every once in a while. And Christ says, I love my church in a particularly special way. And it's like marriage. So I'm a convinced, I'm a confident, ah, I love it when I put all the C's together. I'm confidently convinced conqueror. And it's because of Christ's preserving love. Not persevering, but preserving love. God's love does not mean he will spare us 
from the calamities of this life. I know I've reminded of you this quite often. You've heard me say this over and over again. You don't get saved from the fire. You walk through the fire, but he walks with you. He's got a love that's present, but he's got a love that preserves. He doesn't promise to spare us from the calamities, but he promises us that we'll overcome and that we'll be triumphant. We'll conquer. Luke 21, 16 and 17. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends. They will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. It's a clear picture. That's why Paul was saying these these things. What did he say? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. The reality is living here in this earth is not a walk in the park. And it's not for the faint of heart. And those of you who believe in Jesus as your Savior and follow Him means you're, you're, you're on the foundation of God's truth. What's God's truth? God's opinion on any matter. And that's not popular in the world today. And because of that, the Bible says you will face hardship. You will be scoffed at and mocked and ridiculed. Some people will face danger in the sword. There's some Christians that want to head over to East Asia and tell people about Jesus. Some of us are like, ooh, that's, that sounds scary. But they're willing to give it all up. And we in America, we might not even relate with that, you know, famine, danger, and sword. You need to know that there are martyrs still happening today for the cause of Christ. People that are giving their lives. And, and God doesn't promise to spare us from that. People die for the cause of Christ. But that's not the end. God's steadfast love means he will bring us out of this life with everlasting joy. Amen? Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Great is your reward in heaven. We need to keep being reminded that the time we're here in this planet, on this life, is just... It's just a... The Bible says your life... What is it? What's your life? It's just a mist. And then it disappears. We're here really very short compared to eternity. So the Bible reminds us Look forward. Live now, but keep looking forward. Because you will be triumphant. You will conquer. This life is not the end. It's not the end of all things. 2 Corinthians 5.8. I I found this, and I I don't know why this resonated with me, this, this heartbeat. And then it gets to the cross in the straight line. And, and it kind of reminds me of this verse. I think this is the greatest visual for this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.8. We are confident. That sounds like what Paul said. I'm convinced. I think he's making a big point here. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Some of your versions might say absent with the body means present with the Lord. I don't know if you think about death. But for the believer, it's not the end. And death is never victorious over the believer. 
The moment your heart stops beating, you're with Jesus. Wow. I've told you the story before, but Julie's grandma, uh, when she was in the uh, nursing home and on hospice, and, and we went to visit her and spent time at her bedside, read scripture and sang some songs, and she'd go in and go out. If you've ever been with somebody in their last moments, they're, they're in, they're out, they're in and out. And, and she was a wonderful Christian lady, lived her whole life loving God, teaching Sunday school and all those great things. And so we're enjoying these moments with her, and she would fade off and be gone, and we'd start talking about, you know, 15, 20 minutes we'd be talking about. All of a sudden she'd, and she'd come, to, and she'd open her eyes, and I remember she distinctly opened her eyes, and she goes, am I still here? I mean, she was like disappointed. She's like, I got to see you. I'm trying. She thought for sure when she woke her eyes up the next time she'd see Jesus. I mean, how disappointing is it to see some old pastor instead, you know? Oh, you again. Oh, I love, I love stories about people that have lived their whole lives and they're just anxious to go home. They're okay. They, they don't want to leave their loved ones and we don't want to lose our loved ones, but it's not a victory. Death doesn't have a victory. Oh, grave, where is your sting? No, for the believer, we're confident that to be absent with this body means we are present with the... Do you know that old song? I'm just doing old songs today. Um, And I just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of breathing new air, Mm. and finding it celestial of waking up in glory and finding it home. What a, what a great joy to know that that's our future. And then I can't help but to look out and, and to think of Pastor Bob. His tent was worn out, and he woke up and he was there in heaven. And that old earthly tent, it was no more because he was renewed and he had everything. And then I think of Steve Porter. He just loved telling people about Jesus everywhere he went. We lost Steve. We lost Dave. We lost so many people. We can sit here all day and think about the people that we've known that that have gone on, but we can't help but to rejoice for them. Because for them, I mean, it it stings a little bit for us that are left, but for them, there's no sting. There's no victory. Death is, is nothing because they stopped living in this worn out earthly tent and they woke up in heaven where all things are made new and they're with Jesus and they're victorious. Triumph. Triumph. So how do you do this? It's one thing to talk about it. I believe those three things are important for you to know, but how do you develop this confidence? I want to be, I want to be like Bob. I want to be like Pastor Spencer who just was there already. They live this life, and they're like, okay, let me, let me go home. There's a couple of things. Number one, meditate often on the cross. As a believer, take time each day to meditate on the fact that God sent his son to die for you. Never forget that. Never get over the cross. Number two, read scripture, especially the Psalms, to see how believers process their trials through the grid of God's love. The Psalm is a great place. You can read a Psalm all the time and you'll see how God's people went through hardships. And how do they do this with the understanding of God's love? You've got a, a playbook for how to live life and go through hard times. The Psalmist tells you those things. And then this one I love, read Christian biographies, especially missionary biographies to see how believers have more than conquered as they suffered for the gospel. Have you read 
the story of the martyrs? Have you read Jim Elliott's biography? Bonhoeffer's biography? Believers who, I mean, Bonhoeffer faced Hitler nose to nose on the steps. I was there in, in, in Germany on the steps where Bonhoeffer talked with Hitler. And eventually Hitler had him killed because he was a man of faith. I mean, the, the book's that thick, but man, you can learn about going through these things. What are those things? Well, I'll remind you one more time. There's trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. We face death all day long. We're like sheep heading to a slaughter. But there's good news. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. How did he say it? Neither death. I already told you about that. Not even life can separate it. Life is hard. Death is not going to separate you from the love of God. Living is not going to separate you from the love of Christ. What does he say next? Angels or demons. I'm so glad that, that on that invisible side, this whole war, spiritual warfare that's going on, I don't need to worry about angels or demons. Neither one of them can separate me from the love of Christ. So if you're a Christian running around scared to death that you're going to be possessed by some demon. Don't worry about it. You can't be possessed by a demon. No believer can be possessed by a... You're already possessed. God saved you and gave you the Holy Spirit. No room for two. You know, a demon wants to enter you. He gets kicked out. So don't worry about it. Don't worry. Angels, demons, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And then he says, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in creation could separate you from the love of Christ. What's, what's the tallest mountain? Everest, Everest 29,000 feet, I think. Mount Everest, I think it's 29,000 feet. And then there's the Mariana Trench. You ever hear about that in the ocean? Guess what? How deep that? 29,000 feet deep. From the heights of Mount Everest to the depths of the Mariana Trench, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. I love that confidence that Paul has. He says, I'm convinced nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know it? Do you have it? I pray you do today. If you don't, come and talk to me. Come and ask me about it. I can share with you how you can know Jesus in a relationship and that how you too can be confident that this life is not all there is. There is something more. Well, this morning we're going to uh, have to say goodbye to our people that are watching online. So thank you, those of you who watched us online. If you want to know what was happening after we shut the cameras off, call the church and find out or, or get ready. There's still time. Come at 11. All right. Uh, so we're going to.